We have a big day ahead of us today, and we have a lot of ground to cover this morning. We're excited about what, what is in store today. I'm going to go ahead and open us up in a word of prayer, and then we'll get into everything we have before us today. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much, for, first of all, for your Son, Jesus Christ, and, and thank you for that blood that, that was applied to, this, to, to those of us who have accepted you. And, and Lord, we're so thankful for that, and we're so thankful for what you're doing in our lives and the life of this church. And and Lord, we look forward to what you have before us today as we come and, and ordain Craig. And, and, and so, Lord, I just pray that, that we're able to set our minds aside, everything else that we're dealing with, and, and focus on what you're doing um, in our midst here today. And so, Lord, we commit this time to you. We love you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning and welcome to First Baptist Church. Today is an exciting and an important day in the life of our church as we ordain Craig Warner to the work of the gospel ministry. And the entire service is committed to this solemn act. You can see the order of what we'll be doing this morning in, in your bulletin. Now to every member of First Baptist Church, I want you to understand the significance of what is happening today. This is a very big deal, not only for Craig and his family, but for all of us. It is confirmation that God is moving in this church, and he is moving in the lives of members of this church. Biblical ordination is an important event in a man's life. It is an event that legitimizes that man's call to the outside world. It is also an event the candidate can lean on later as confirmation of God's call to the ministry, and he can lean on that when the times are tough and when ministry weighs heavy. So ordination safeguards the ministry, it encourages the Timothys, and it bestows credentials that witness to the outside world. 1 Timothy 3.1 says, this is a true saying, if a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. And if God has called you to ministry, you should aspire to ordination. I say that to all the young men out there. But ordination is not something that you ask for yourself. Because that's not how ordination works. The service of ordination involves the judgment of other men God is already using to confirm that call. So God does the calling, the church does the recognizing, and other ordained men do the setting apart by laying on of hands, according to Acts chapter 13, verses 1 through 4. In those verses we read, Now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers, as Barnabas and Simeon, that was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene and Menaean, which had been brought up under Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So they, being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed unto Seleucia, and from thence they sailed to Cyprus. You see, God works through the church as the structure the pastors as the appointers, and the Holy Spirit as the sender and supplier. We confirm and affirm the work of God in ordination. And that's what we're doing this morning, recognizing God's calling on Craig's life. And Craig is a man who has lived of that calling for a number of years. He's a product of this church, attending here his entire life. Some of you probably had the privilege of teaching Craig in Sunday school when he was a child or, or even changing his diaper in the nursery. <laughs> if it wasn't for them, Craig, you wouldn't be the man that you are today. 
And I will let Craig give you the specifics of his own testimony later. But with respect to his ministry at First Baptist Church, he has worked here since 2004, originally hired on the maintenance staff. In 2005, he became a youth intern and eventually took over the young adults class, known as the Well, a name given to them by Craig. After that, Craig served as youth pastor for a short time and is now, of course, our children's pastor, a role he has held since 2014. Since I have taken over as senior pastor, Craig has assumed some more executive responsibilities, and that role will continue to expand for him while still retaining his current role of children's pastor, so you parents don't have to worry uh, so, so fast. Craig has followed this church's path of growth that we talked about last week. He was discipled, he completed MTT, and just last year finished our Living Faith Bible Institute and earned his Associate of Divinity. And I point all that out to let you know that Craig is a man worthy of the honor being bestowed upon him today. Not because he contains any worthiness in himself, and he knows that, but because he has chosen to give his life to the one who is worthy and makes us worthy in the process. Craig has sacrificed in service to the Lord. In accordance with Baptist tradition, those confirming the calling of God on a man and who ultimately perform the laying on of hands make up the presbytery or the ordination council. And historically, the ordination council would be composed of ordained ministers of Baptist churches and they would come together and they would examine the candidate regarding his Christian experience, his call to ministry, his doctrinal beliefs, and his proposed conduct as a minister. So what we are doing today is following that, that practice, that Baptist tradition, but we are going to dispense with the examination phase. And the reason for that is because the ordination council I have called together this morning consists of men who already know Craig, and we have already confirmed this candidate's fitness for service. We don't have to examine, we don't have to put him up here and examine to find out what he believes. We already know. We already know him. And he has proven himself to us over and over as we have worked together with him hand in hand, arm in arm. So in addition to myself, the ordination council for today's service consists of Jeff Bartell, missions pastor of First Baptist Church of New Philadelphia and senior pastor of First Baptist Church of New Philadelphia during nearly all of Craig's pastoral tenure at this church. Next is Matt Brocker, pastor of Northside Baptist Church in Columbus, Ohio, former associate pastor here at FBC. And then Kale Horvath, missionary to the country of Hungary and former youth pastor of FBC. You will get to hear from each of these men now, starting with Pastor Kale Horvath. This day is incredibly important and exciting because it proves that First Baptist Church of New Philadelphia continues to train up men who will teach others also. Just because life is hard doesn't mean that we don't have a job to do. Just because the days are evil doesn't mean that we shouldn't train more men. Quite the contrary, we need more shepherds who are willing to stand in the gap as we see the day approaching. We need more faithful men who will hold fast the form of sound words. We need more men who will sacrificially lead the flock during uncertain times. We need more men who will unapologetically stand on the truth of the unchanging words of God and proclaim them, never faltering. We need more captains to lead the foot soldiers in God's army. We need not just more teachers, but more fathers who care for those that they shepherd. And First Baptist Church continues 
to train up their own men who are called by God, to be qualified by God, to perform the office of a bishop for decades and decades and decades. Craig Warner, as you all know, is a lifetime member of First Baptist Church who has poured years of blood, sweat, and tears into this family and this ministry. When different trendy heresies have tried to creep in over the years, he wasn't swayed by the winds of false doctrines. When wolves have entered into the church unawares, he didn't flee. He stood in the gap, and he protected the sheep. Craig Warner is no hireling, but a true shepherd, an exemplary man of God who is an example of meekness, godliness, and charity. He's a product of the discipleship philosophy of First Baptist Church and has spent many years serving in ministry to train up others also. He cares deeply about teaching the children of our church to love God with all of their heart, soul, mind, and strength. Craig, I've looked up to you for many years, man. It was a privilege to serve with you for years at FBC and to watch you and to learn from you. And quite frankly, if it's not weird, I'm both encouraged and proud of you, man. I know that you don't take the office of a bishop lightly, and you are absolutely biblically qualified for this responsibility. Enjoy this day, man. Take it all in. And as you receive the gift of authority and responsibility that is transferred to you today by the laying on of the hands of the presbytery, your friends, your family, and your church body will watch with pride and encouragement, giving their assent as well. You will remember this day and look back on it with great admiration, as you should. It will encourage you through the mountaintops and the trials of ministry, and it serves as a pillar and a pile of stones in your life from here on out. Love you, brother. This feels good. <laughs> I'm thrilled, thrilled to be here. Wouldn't have missed it, even if I wasn't invited to speak. So, <laughs> Proverbs 18.24 says, A man that hath friends must show himself friendly. And there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Solomon, one of the wisest men to ever live, says there's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. The implication is that this particular brand of friend is difficult to find. Proverbs 20, verse 6 says, Most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness, but a faithful man who can find. So there's a friend that is rare, and then there's a faithful man that's hard to come by. One would think that if, if you're going to try to combine those two descriptors, well, that's just the impossible task. Well, I'm here to say that I found a faithful friend. It's actually the name of our veterinary clinic in Columbus. It was pretty easy to find, actually. I just Googled veterinary clinic, and faithful friends came right up. It's quite surprising. Not as hard as the Bible said, but both of them were right there. When I take our dog to the vet, there's, there's two things that pop in my mind as I'm pulling into the parking lot and I see the sign that says faithful friends. I think, first of all, there's no way this dog is worth what this is about to cost me. I mean, we love our dog and she's part of the family. My kids are not going to appreciate that I just said that. 
But then I think, and I really miss working with Craig every day. And not because you're just a big hairy animal. <laughs> it, it's because of the words on the sign. You're a faithful friend. And since this is an ordination and not Craig's roast, we'll, we'll turn the corner here promptly. On a more serious note, there, there is no better way to describe Craig Warner to me than, than faithful friend. I'm not here to propose that FBC should ordain Craig because he's my friend and I'm really great. Rather, the, the reasons that I value Craig's friendship, they're directly connected to why he is also qualified for the purpose of this monumental day. The character qualities of the man. The character qualities of a faithful friend. Proverbs chapter 20 verse 7 says, The just man walketh in his integrity. His children are blessed after him. The best description of integrity that I've heard personally is of a man who's willing to stand for his beliefs when others are watching. And will not compromise those beliefs when no one is watching. He's the same on both accounts. He has integrity. Craig Warner is a man who walks in integrity. And because of that, his kids are certainly blessed. His family is blessed. He walks in integrity before others for everyone to see and, and privately before the Lord, where it really matters. This is the integrity that's described for us in Colossians chapter 2, verse 7 says, rooted and build up in him, established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Did you catch what Paul said in the beginning? He said, rooted and built up. He goes on and says, established, which means stable. A man of integrity has a Psalm chapter 1 connection to the source of life beneath the surface where you can't see. And that's Craig Warner. And because that exists in his private life, he, goes, he grows strong above the surface where we can see. What you see above the surface is not soon shaken when challenged because the roots are connected to Christ and they've been tried and he stood strong. Ephesians chapter 4 begins with Paul charging the church to walk worthy of their vocation wherewith they are called. That's in verse 1, and he, he goes on and builds, and he talks about the gifts that were given to the church and the qualifications, and there's a culmination of, of sorts in verse 15, and it says, I think, a, a perfect description of Craig and his communication to others. Ephesians 4.15 says, but speaking the truth in love. If you know Craig, if you've had conversations with Craig, you know this is Craig's manner of communication. He will be truthful with you, and he absolutely loves you. Proverbs also said, faithful are the wounds of a friend. My friendship with Craig is not as important as my relationship to the Lord to Craig. His priority when communicating with me as a friend is, 
is my relationship with the Lord. And he's not worried about if I'll be offended by a hard saying. Because he's concerned about the Lord has hard sayings and I need to hear them. I want to ask you, First Baptist folks, do you have a friend like that? That, that won't choose your side for fear of your reaction, but rather will continually choose God's side and what God says is what you need to hear. Because that's where his faithfulness actually lies. He's a faithful friend, but he's first and foremost, and of the utmost importance, faithful to the Lord and his word. If you don't have a friend like that, I'm, I'm here to tell you that you do have a pastor like that. You, you have a staff of pastors like that. Craig Warner is a balanced man of integrity. And I'm here to testify that I have been witness to that integrity time and time again, both in our friendship and in his duties as pastor here at First Baptist. In addition to what he leads here, he's also been a critical part of what the Lord has been building in Columbus. He has stepped in and helped me in, in so many tremendous ways, just, just being a friend, just being an ear, leading the prayer team that, that continues to hold the rope here at First Baptist. All of those connections, they mean so much to me. In addition to those things, he's, he's taken the lead of, of the children's ministry down there and established other leaders and organized the classes and got things running. And with everything that I had going on, man, that, that has taken us so much further than, than I was capable of even dreaming. So I appreciate that investment. He's helped with signage and supplies and website creation and... Craig's, Craig's hands are on all kinds of stuff down there, and, and it's phenomenal. It's been awesome to, to have you involved. One of the things that, that I miss is, you know, well, one of the only things I miss about the long drive to Columbus and back on Sunday nights is when I get to ride with, with Craig and we just get to hang out and chat. And, you know, we had time like that in the office, but I was always up for more. And I always appreciated your heart and your, your investment. Just talking life, talking ministry, challenges, sticking to the stuff no matter what, getting ice cream because that's also very important. <laughs> Some of my favorite times. I count it a great honor to have a friend like Craig Warner in ministry. And therefore, without hesitation, I recommend my friend and fellow laborer, Craig Warner, for biblical ordination. I love you, pal. It's my turn. <laughs> Y'all ready? Well, good morning, everybody. And this is a great day. It really is. And it's my job today to speak to you all about the importance of biblical ordination, and specifically the ordination of Craig Allen Warner. 
Generally speaking, ordination is a serious setting apart of a man to the gospel ministry, where the gospel ministry becomes his sole focus of life and means of existence. This presbytery is assembled to communicate to you that we find Craig Warner to be a man who is biblically characterized as blameless. So in all the various categories of blamelessness as we study the scriptures that are required of a bishop in his home life, in his attentions, in his affairs with others, in his appetites, and in his actions, Craig demonstrates a life that cannot be rightly blamed. As a member of this presbytery of ordained men, I take my solemn duty today to communicate to you what I consider to be one very important, although too often ignored for expedience sake, quality that must be verified in a man considering the office of a bishop in the church of Jesus Christ. And in addition to what my brothers-in-arms, Kale and Matt, have already communicated, I have the distinct privilege to testify of Craig's successful fulfillment of this one very important characteristic, and that's this. He's not a novice. He's not a novice. You see, what we're doing here this morning is not simply a church ritual, a religious rite, or some Baptist culture. What we're doing here this morning is described in the Bible. And again, time won't allow me to fully explain its detail, but it is, after all, ground that we have covered before. It's described in the Bible as the literal bestowing of a gift. And this gift is defined in the Scriptures as God's delegated authority to lead and to shepherd His church. This gift is actually transferred to Craig at the moment that this presbytery lays hands on him in a few minutes and prays over him. Because biblical ordination is a transference. I take my responsibility very seriously, as it says in 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 22, to lay hands suddenly on no man, neither be partaker of other men's sins, keep thyself pure. And you say, what is suddenly? Well, it's too quickly. Well, why is that a problem? Well, it's a problem because of 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse number 6 and that list of qualifications for a bishop where it says that a bishop, speaking of his qualifications, not a novice, lest being lifted up with pride, he fall into the condemnation of the devil. A novice is an unproven man. An unproven man risks being swept away with his pride, and pride is the original sin. It's the sin of Lucifer, and it's particularly devilish. If this presbytery lays hands on a man who is a novice, and that novice is lifted up with pride and falls into sin, that sin is then associated back to this presbytery because biblical ordination is a transference. One of the gravest errors that occurs in Christian churches all across the world is that people ordain people into the ministry leadership while they're yet novices. And it's been my distinct privilege to be the senior pastor of this great church for 12 and a half years and to have the joy 
to watch Craig Warner grow up from an enthusiastic dreamer in love with the idea of ministry to a battle-scarred soldier with significant victories to his record. And it's some of these key personal victories that I now want to share with you all. Now, the victories that I'll speak of are not what you might expect. They're not going to be just stories of evangelistic success or discipleship prowess, although those are very important. I'm going to mark for you the milestones along Craig's pilgrimage that mark his proving as a man of God. And I'm going to mention four of them. So milestone number one, Craig has learned to study. Now, Craig's always loved ministry. But he was young and admitted when I arrived that his Bible knowledge needed some work. So when we established the path of growth here and and established the beginnings of our ministry tools and training class, Craig was in the very first class and the very first graduating class in 2012. When we began the early classes that led up to what is now known as LFBI, the Living Faith Bible Institute, Craig took all of those classes as well. And with a lot of hard work and extra hours of study on his own time, as Troy has already mentioned, as of 2020, he's completed the full curriculum and graduated from LFBI. And can I say to the rest of you, it doesn't matter how long it takes. What matters is you get it done. Because formal Bible education is important. And let me just assure you, without this point, without this box being able to be checked, we would not be here this morning. We would not be here today. So Craig now possesses a strong understanding of the Scriptures that he did not previously. And he can now take the Bible and show people what it says and where. Which leads me to milestone number two. That Craig has learned to sacrifice. He's learned that in ministry you do what is needed, not just what you prefer. So again, when I came here in late 2008, Craig was part of the staff that pre-existed me. He was young, idealistic, progressive thinking, shocking as it may seem to some of you. I'm pretty sure he was a little nervous around me at first, not sure how I would lead or what I might require. Now, Craig had thoughts and opinions and was never afraid to express them, well, maybe a little hesitant sometimes. I think that to this day, there's a chance that Craig still isn't 100% sure when I'm sarcastic and when I'm serious. (laughs) But he was always respectful and willing to receive instruction, yet it was apparent that he was young and he had a lot to learn about real ministry responsibility. I recall at that time that Craig often spoke about his passions in those early years and There were things that he was passionate about, and there were things that he was less passionate about. Listen, it's easy to serve in the areas that you like. But I was determined to find out if Craig would develop the discipline to exercise ministry skills and duties that might not fall into the list of things that he was excited about, but the Bible nonetheless commands us to give attention to. So in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verses 12 and 13, the Bible says this, Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. 
Now, Craig loved people, always has. Craig loved FBC, always has. And Craig loved ministry, but one area that Craig was less passionate about at that time was standing to teach the Bible. Maybe he didn't feel competent. Maybe sitting under Pastor Mark, he set the bar too high. But whatever the reason, young Craig would be happy to let somebody else teach while he helped out in other areas. And God will let you get away with that for a while. But God was working on Craig. And at that time, like Troy mentioned, Craig oversaw the young adult ministry that he gave the name The Well, and he really enjoyed that, and he was among the group of his peers at that time. And I saw God not only use Craig's passion to introduce some great ideas for The Well, but also to stretch him outside of his comfort zone and learn to make some tough decisions managing people, sinful, carnal people, in a ministry. I think if we could turn the clock back, we might see that the weekly Bible study time was limited in depth and maybe more of a conversation than it was a formal lesson. But nevertheless, God was stretching him and he had to lead this group every single week. It was just a few years later we asked Craig to take over what was then called the 180 Youth Ministry. Let me just tell you guys, youth ministry is hard to oversee. It's not nearly as fun as an adult as it may seem. You have to manage a bunch of volunteers, adult volunteers, and be responsible for teenagers who are all over the spiritual map. <coughs> Excuse me. Craig worked very hard at it. He made some great strides. But our church was struggling a bit and at that time, and and with our youth especially, and that was a hard ministry to grow. But the 180 youth ministry assignment required a more formal time of structured Bible teaching for the kids to learn and grow in a systematic way. It required that Craig do even more of what he didn't personally prefer the most, and that was the standing and the teaching part. So what's the point? Well, the point is, is that he had to learn that ministry wasn't about him and what he prefers or is passionate about. Ministry is service, and service is sacrifice. That's what it is. And God's man will do whatever is asked of him, simply because it's asked of him. Which brings us to milestone number three. Craig learned to submit. He learned to submit to leadership. Now, Craig's never been rebellious. Let me make this one thing perfectly clear. Craig's as good of a dude as there is. But everyone, listen church, everyone who's growing in Christ will be asked at some point by their leadership to do something that goes against what they think should be done. Such events are orchestrated by God, not by the leaders. I promise you we don't just sit around and dream up ways to make people do what we know they don't want to do. So in 2014... When we had a need in the children's ministry, we asked Craig to consider taking it over. And I specifically remember at that time that Craig mentioning that that wasn't the ministry that he was most passionate about. And you might not be surprised to know that that statement that he made didn't really matter at all to me. <laughs> I could actually see, I mean, as clear as I've ever seen anything with ministry vision, 
that Craig would be a great fit there. But what I needed to do was to get him to see it. And I knew that Craig needed to make the right decision here, but I also knew that he needed to make the decision. It would have had no value if I just required it of him. So I intentionally offered to Craig a way out if he wanted a way out. I specifically remember saying, and Craig, you may or may not remember me saying this, but something to this effect, I recounted what I remember saying. Craig, if you just want a way out, all you have to do is say that you don't love kids. (laughs) Because I don't want a ministry leader who doesn't love kids. He looked a little disappointed. Yet with that smile that we all know so well, he said, I can't do that. I love kids. And I'm just going to tell you something. That was a big decision. It was a big decision because it marked Craig's submission to God's structure of leadership and the wisdom that comes with that. It showed me that he was willing to go with a plan that others saw in him even if he didn't yet see it in himself. This is a big test of life. And in the life of any growing servant of God, God will put you in a place where your leadership is going to ask you to do something that you personally don't want to do. And in that event, in that request, in that situation, your leaders are not in sin. And the ask is not reasonable. It's not unreasonable, excuse me. It's just an ask that maybe you don't like. And the question you have to ask yourself when that happens to you is, well, what are you going to do? Because it is true that you have the freedom in Christ to choose. And yes, it is true that we believe in the individual priesthood of the believers. But you need to look a little bit beyond that. Because there is something that God wants to see with you as a team member before he bestows on you team leadership. You've probably heard it said, you can't be a good leader until you learn to be a good follower. And the appointed leaders that never learn this lesson are the ones who become the horrible dictators that never compassionately care for the flock. Craig made the right decision. And it turned out to be a big decision for our kids' ministry too, amen? I mean, a lot of people have benefited over the last six or seven years because of his obedience. And in the kids' ministry, he learned to effectively lead the single largest team of volunteers that we have at First Baptist Church. The last milestone, number four, Craig learned to stand. And when I say to stand, I I mean it in its biblical definition of spiritual warfare. Craig learned to fight. In 2016 and 2017, many of you will recall that just this church went through a serious trial. We had a rebellion among our pastoral staff, and I had to remove two pastors and consequently officially discipline other ministry leaders. It was a very hard time for this church. It was especially hard for all of us in leadership because a lot of people were acting carnally. 
a lot of people were gossiping and spreading lies. And most importantly, a lot of people were blatantly unbiblical in their understanding and in their discernment, and as a result in their actions. Some of these people were some of Craig's lifelong friends and peers. It's amazing how quickly Christian people can get carried away with their flesh and lose their biblical bearings. What the church needed at that time was calming reassurance from their leaders. Notice I said leaders, plural. Because most all of that nonsense that was going on back then was directed at me personally. So hearing a refute from me alone would never have been enough in the minds of some people. The church needed to hear from the plurality of leaders with one voice. Now, without needing to recount all that horror, that one fateful night, there was a Wednesday night, when the proverbial excrement hit the ventilation system. <laughs> there was an open confrontation with the offenders in this back hallway right back here. And in that heated exchange, among others, and let me say, thank God for those others. You know who you are, and I know who you are. Craig not only stood with us, but he was also vocal in his defense of righteousness, citing biblical violations of their damaging behavior. This is what we're admonished, admonished to do when attacked by the devil himself. So in Ephesians chapter 6, and starting in verse number 10, it says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand, stand therefore. And ultimately, this is the real test. It's the real proof of a man. Will he choose to stand with God and against the devil? And listen to me. Even when the devil takes on the flesh of people, that we used to like and used to work with. Let God be true and every man a liar. Many fail at this point, but Craig stood on truth with this church and behind me. And that was impressive. That was a watershed moment for Craig. Since that time, Craig has actually had a more mature, adult, serious view of what God was doing, not just in his own life, but also in the ministry of this church. And after that, it's also no surprise to see Craig excel in some significant cross-cultural global missions projects, like the Bible camps with the Pueblos in New Mexico and in Albania. See, ministry impact that reaches far beyond the bounds of New Philadelphia, Ohio. That's outstanding leadership. Craig Allen Warner, 
you're not a novice. You're no longer a subordinate. You're a peer. You're a proven man of God. And because of these things, I can proudly add my voice to this presbytery of men in recommending you for biblical ordination. Craig, it is my great honor to give you a charge related to the high calling of ordination this morning. I obviously haven't known you as, as long or as intimately as Jeff or, or Matt or Kale, um, but I've certainly grown to love you over these past three plus years, and, and I've watched you grow even in the time that we've spent together. And I knew that this day was inevitable from, at, at the moment that you told me that God was stirring something in your heart as it related to the work in Columbus. You see, there are moments in a man's walk with the Lord. There are bridges that must be crossed where there's no going back for God to call that man out amongst his friends. And those bridges relate to willingness. Those bridges relate to surrender. Because those bridges take you from your life, your plans, your dreams to Christ's life and nothing else. You lay down so that Christ can get up. And in doing so, that brings you into the fellowship of his suffering as you are being made conformable unto his death. Because that was a bridge even Jesus had to cross. In Mark 14, 36, we see Jesus talking to his father before going to the cross. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible unto thee. Take away this cup from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what thou, will, what thou wilt. And listen, Jesus is the goal. He's always the goal. And as we lay hands on you today, Craig, I want to remind you that your eyes must stay on him. Because as of today, the target on your back is getting a little bigger. That's just the truth. So stay focused on him. You already crossed that bridge. Don't go back. Even when wind, the winds are blowing, even when those around you are falling, even when others are saying that this book isn't enough, even when the days are dark, keep your eyes on him so that you can lead like him. You see, when the winds are blowing and when those around you are falling, and others are saying that this book isn't enough, and when the days are dark, that's when the church needs Christ-like leadership the most. And they need it from you in two particular ways that I want to challenge you with this morning. First, I want to challenge you to pastoral integrity. This deals with how you lead in the context of ministry and how you view your pastoral calling. And here's the biblical requirement. For pastoral integrity. Love like God loves and feed like God feeds. You, you want the, the two primary qualifications for pastoral ministry. Those are it. It's having the right heart in love and having the right mind in God's word. In Mark 6.34, we see an, an important verse about Jesus that outlines this for us. 
And it's pastoral in nature because it shows us how the chief shepherd dealt with his sheep. Mark 6, 34 says, And Jesus, when he came out, saw much people and was moved with compassion towards them. There is the heart of God and the love that was in him. And he was, he was, he was moved with compassion because they were as sheep, having not a shepherd. So what did he do? And he began to teach them many things. He fed them. So your role is to build the church by teaching the word and then guarding the flock. It's keeping people focused on their own walk, their own walk with the Lord as you keep the scriptures the focal point of their life. You feed the word, you seek the strays, and you defend both the people and the Bible. That's your calling. Isaiah chapter 40, verses 10 and 11 says, Behold, the Lord God will come with strong hand, and his arm shall rule for him. Behold, his reward is with him, and his work before him. But listen to what verse 11 says. He shall feed his flock like a shepherd. He shall gather the lambs with his arm, carry them in his bosom, and shall gently lead those that are young. You see, you can't get away from this calling. Old Testament, New Testament, the prophets, Jesus, Paul, it's all the same. Love and feed. Care for and feed. Protect and feed. But a man can't do either of those successfully. He can't love or feed if he himself is not built up in the faith. If he doesn't keep his eyes fixed upon Jesus. And listen, there are a lot of guys out there faking it. But that's devastating. And according to Paul, leads to shipwreck. Don't do that. Because when that happens, you don't only damage yourself. You take everybody else down who is on the ship with you. So in order to avoid that, the second thing I want to challenge you to this morning is personal integrity. You see, you'll never get pastoral integrity right if you're not right with the Lord personally. And I think the keys for personal integrity, at least for a pastor, are found in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 5. And that verse says, Now the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart and of a good conscience and a faith unfeigned. So first you need charity out of a pure heart. And this connects to the pastoral integrity and the pastoral command because this is the personal aspect of that first part of pastoral integrity. You must love all people, charity out of a pure heart. But this makes it personal because you're to love every person without having mixed motives. The high call starts there. You must check your heart to make sure your acts of love are without partiality, without reference to what might be received in return. It's applying 1 Corinthians 13 to the church. So, to, so toward those God has called you to minister, you're to suffer long and be kind and envieth not and vaunteth not yourself and aren't puffed up and don't behave unseemly or seek your own, not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity. But here's what you're to do. You're to rejoice in the truth. You're to bear all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, and endureth all things. That's charity out of a pure heart. And that's what Christ's church needs out of you. Now, let me tell you from experience, 
you won't be perfect and all that. But just because you'll never get it all right all the time doesn't mean it's not worth pursuing. It's still the goal. And the second key to personal integrity from 1 Timothy 1.5 is a good conscience. Now, from a naturalistic standpoint, your conscience is from where you decide your own actions because it's self-judgment. But your conscience is only good if it's controlled by the Holy Spirit, if you're walking in Him through His Word. And let me admit, this is a tough one because I know me. And at times, this will likely be tough for you because you know you. Jonathan Edwards once said, when I look into my heart and perceive its infinite wickedness, I think it's a pit deeper than hell. When I pray, I sin. When I preach, I sin. My very repentance needs to be repented of. And my tears need washing in the blood of Christ. As a pastor, you must preach hard against sin. But you can never be ignorant of your own sin. And you must deal with it. The problem for most people is their conscience has become so seared. It allows them unlimited latitude. That's death for a church when it happens to its leaders. The danger is that pastors will rationalize what they allow themselves. And once they get into a position of power, their conscience is violated beyond repair and stretched so far, it's no longer a reliable guide. But Craig, your conscience should always be a reflection of the mind of Christ. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. That's the only way for it to be a good conscience. And that's what the Bible says we're to have. Not warped or polluted. And this is what separates the men from boys in pastoral ministry. Because there is one group that checks the Bible by their experience. And they do what seems right unto man and and the current fads of the time. and, And what they think is right according to their logic. And that's a serious mistake that destroys integrity and ultimately destroys churches. Because before you can be faithful to your calling, you have to have a reliable conscience. And in order to have a reliable conscience, you must be a Bible-oriented leader. It's the only way. You can't give yourself a good conscience. Only the Bible can do that. So your compass has to point true north. Not to what's most convenient. And for some, this can be tricky because their mind is fragile and deceptive. But listen, you cannot even trust what you see. Therefore, your mind must be conditioned by the Bible. Your eyes can be fooled by sleight of hand. That's why we have a conscience. We have a conscience to enable us to walk by faith and not by sight. Because if we walk by sight, we just might be tricked. So your conscience has to be, has to be, has to be conditioned by the Bible and not circumstances. And this is the personal aspect of that second part of pastoral integrity. Because to feed the flock properly, you have to love the book yourself. And it has to guide your life. It has to guide you personally. So when it comes to God's word, don't lose it or let it go. It will never leave you, and it will never leave you helpless or alone. So don't leave it. Love it. Serve it, and you will be rewarded for it. Believers gave their lives in prior days so that you could have it in these last days. They did not survive 
but the Bible did. Thereby you know it is God's words. Hold the line. Hold fast the faithful word as thou hast been taught. And last, when you have a pure heart and you have a good conscience, the result is a faith unfeigned. It's sincere faith, not a produced faith. It is a true trust in and reliance on God through the word of God. And at the end of the day, this is the hallmark of integrity when the image portrays the reality. It's sincerity without hypocrisy. And this is so important because I believe the primary current disease of the pastorate is deteriorating integrity, both pastoral and personal. And we see so many guys falling on both fronts. And it's because they began to love themselves over the Lord. They began to love themselves over his word. And they began to love themselves over others to the point that their conscience was seared. And so their faith became fake. It's your job to not let that happen to you. And as we prepare to lay hands on you and ordain you to the work of the gospel ministry, we are trusting that you won't. We are trusting that you will hold the line. We're trusting that you will hold fast to the faithful word as thou hast been taught. At this time, I'm going to ask Craig to come up on stage. I would also like Jeff and Matt to join me as well as the presbytery. If you guys would just stand beside me here. Craig, recognizing the solemnness of the day and understanding the value of verbalizing the vow you are making before God today, I have a series of questions I need you to answer affirmatively before we as the presbytery will lay hands on you and ordain you to the gospel ministry. If you agree, please answer the following questions with I do to affirm. So before God, the men on this stage and this local body of Christ, do you believe the Bible, both Old and New Testaments, to be the inspired word of God and that it is preserved perfectly for us today in the authorized King James Version? Do you believe the authorized King James Bible to be the infallible rule of faith and practice for Christ's church and your life? <coughs> Do you promise to walk worthy of the vocation to which you are called, giving honor to, to God who of his mercy has called you as a shepherd to his flock? Do you promise to diligently perform all the duties of a faithful minister of the gospel without thought of personal reward or honor, having as your chief motive the glory of God, the exaltation of his son Jesus, and the winning of souls, and the growth of his body, the church. For the remaining questions, if you agree, answer with I will to affirm. Will you assume the responsibility to preach and teach God's word with all love and boldness? Will you assume the responsibility to love and minister to the needs of those to whom you are sent without partiality? Will you assume the responsibility to give of yourself sacrificially and without reserve to the building of the local assembly to which you have been called? And lastly, recognizing the sacred responsibility of your call and yet aware of your own human weakness, will you seek to be directed and empowered by the Holy Spirit of God so you may be a faithful minister to him who has called you? Amen. With public <laughs> affirmation of those callings, I would now like Katie and your family, your children, 
to join us on stage. I would also like the rest of the staff and our deacons to join us as well. We're, we are now going to lay hands on Craig and officially ordain him to the work of the gospel ministry. And again, due to the solemnness of the, and the formality of the occasion, there's an order that I would like this performed. I'd like Craig to kneel right here, Katie sitting here. I'm going to have the ordination council come behind them for the laying on of the hands, so Matt, me, Matt, and Jeff. And then I would like Todd, Josh, and Corey to come behind the ordination council and the deacons behind and around them. And I'm going to pray, and I'm going to have Matt pray, and then Jeff, will you close us out in prayer? <laughs> if, not, if not, I will close us out in prayer. So, all right. so let's, uh, let's lay hands on, on, on this family. I'm going to pray, and then Matt, I'll ask you, and then Jeff will close. Dear God, we come to you today. Um, humbled by your work in our lives, first of all, and, and certainly excited, but also humbled by your work in Craig's life. And Lord, we, we ask now that, that you uh, continue the work that you have begun, as, as your word has promised. And Lord, this is a, this is a big day, this is a solemn day, and, and Lord, um, understanding and recognize the seriousness of it, Lord, we ask you to protect Craig. <laughs> We ask you to protect his family, and we ask you, Lord, just to continue the, that work that you are now, that we are now transferring to him and the authority that we are transferring to him, Lord, that you will continue to divine, define and develop his ministry. Lord, only you know uh, what's in store. Uh, but this day signifies that Craig is willing to do whatever, whenever and wherever you're asking him to do. And so, Lord, we commit him to you. We commit this time to you. Lord, it's a great joy. It's a great joy for us to be able to do this. It's a great joy um, to see the work continue. Lord, the work that you're doing here, that you're doing in this church um, uh, through Craig's life. And so, Lord, thank you so much for it. And, Lord, I ask that, that you bless him, that you bless his family. And, Lord, above all, that you're glorified in it that you're glorified in his ministry, that you're glorified in his home, and that you're glorified in his work through this church. Lord, we love you, and we're so grateful to have this opportunity to do this. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord, I'm thrilled to be here, to be a part of this today, and, and, and excited for what this means in the future. And as Jeff stated, the the qualifications and the proving to, to be not a novice <laughs> means that continually Craig has stood on your word in faith against the forces of the enemy. And because he does that and has done that and will continue to do that, we know the enemy is going to fight back. And so, Lord, we want to continually lift this family up. We want to lift Craig up and, and pray that you would protect him and his dear family and, and this church as he seeks to continue to follow you into whatever you have for him next. Because he's been proven, he's been chosen. And now he can move forward in, in what you have for him. 
and those challenges, we know you'll be faithful in because you've been faithful before and, and he can trust you and we thank you for that. I pray you just protect him and guide him and, and give him clear direction on the, the decisions he needs to make and the, the leading that he will do here at First Baptist. Lord, I pray that as he takes those steps and walks in continual obedience to you, that his relationship with you would be strong, that he would always have those piles of stones to look back on, to know that it's, it's okay to move forward, it's worth moving forward, and that'll be worth putting your name forward as well, and you'll be glorified, and we thank you for that. I pray for this church, that the example that Craig is setting today for the young men that are on their way and wanting to do full-time ministry and have more opportunities, Lord, that they would see Craig is a man worth following, but he's only a man worth following because you're a God worth dying for. We set ourselves aside, we lay our pride down, we, we allow you control. And this is what you'll allow, and this is the pleasure you'll allow us to experience in walking with you and ministry opportunities, and we're so thankful for that. Lord, I, I, again, I'm, I'm thankful for his friendship, I'm thankful for everything that he means to me, and I know the reasons he means so much to me are the qualifications for him to be ordained today. Lord, we love Craig and, and we trust him and his ministry and your name to be glorified through how you use him moving forward. We, we love you. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Lord, it's a great honor and a great privilege to be able to stand here and to confer upon this man and this family. This gift, this blessing, this this time of solemnly transferring the gift of ministry leadership and authority to carry it out at a level that we haven't yet experienced and so we understand that he has served and he has led and he has grown and much will go forward in the same way but yet today is a special day because this is a biblical day this is a day that you have set apart and described in your scriptures and this event means something before heaven. So I pray for Craig and Katie and the kids, and I pray that as they humbly receive this gift bestowed upon them and the seriousness that goes with it, that they will ever recognize that it's not given to them by us. It's given to him by you, and that they own it, and they walk forward proudly knowing that they are your representatives as, as a bishop and a shepherd of your people, the people for whom you loved enough to come down to this earth and live a life as a man and die and shed your blood and conquer death and raise again. And you've called your church to carry on as your body, and you've called men to be shepherds of that church. And it's a high calling. And yes, there will be challenges, and yes, there will be battles, and yes, there will be things that they will need to stand for and face and realize in, in the future. And as those times come, we believe that they will stand because of what we have seen in the past. So we are humbled and we are grateful. But God, I do pray for strength. I pray for protection. I pray for your guidance. I pray for you to be glorified in and through them at levels that we have not yet seen. 
I know there'll be new challenges. I know there'll be new opportunities. And whatever it is and wherever you take them and however you choose to use them in these very last days, God, we humbly just fall on our face and thank you for being a part of a church that raises up such men and is able to send out such men. And I pray, God, that you will always be glorified in the Warner family. Thank you for giving us the privilege of working together up until this point. Thank you for allowing us to be a part of recognizing what you have and are continuing to do. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that you will be honored and exalted through all these things. We pray in your holy name. Amen. <laughs> we're going to, they're, they're going to, a couple, couple hugs and shake hands, but, but we're, we're going to go sit down. And um, at this time, you're going to get to hear from newly ordained. Pastor Craig Warner. I've never felt like a bigger fraud in my life, to be honest. <clears throat> I am truly honored and humbled to be here today, but uh, lest you get the wrong idea of what today is about, let me assure you, as I've had to assure myself the weeks leading up to this, that today is not about me. I'm not here because of anything that I have done. No, I stand here today as a testament to the goodness and grace of God in my life and as a result of the influence of the men and women he has used along the way. And so allow me to take a moment to give honor to whom honor is due. There are a handful of roles in my life that God has used to shape me and to conform me to be more like him. A couple of my favorites are that of a husband to Katie, uh, without whom I'm certain I would not be here today, where God has taught me the love of a husband for his bride, a father to Emma, Sophie, and Owen, where God has taught me the love of a father for his children, but perhaps the most influential role that God has saw fit to call me to is that of a son. It was 1984, the last weekend of July, when my mom, who was pregnant with her second child, had a hankering for a fish sandwich and some greasy fries. <laughs> so the family loaded up their little car and headed to the Strasburg Corn Fest. <laughs> Shortly after dinner, mom didn't feel so well, and while she thought it might be the fair food she just ate, it was, in fact, me. <clears throat> and so late... On July 28, 1984, I was born the son of Carl and Lynn Warner. That may seem like a pretty far back starting point, but to be born into the Warner family is to be born into a spiritual legacy that stretches back multiple generations and by God's grace will continue from generation to generation. Over the years, my parents told me a lot of things. My mom, a school teacher, she told me how to do long division. And as a machinist, my dad told me to check the oil in my car once a month. Or was it once a week? <laughs> Yet to this day, I couldn't tell you what 186 divided by 7 is without a calculator. And I only worry about my oil when the light comes on. <laughs> as their son, there were a lot of things my parents told me. But they modeled hard work. They were an example of servanthood, and they showed me faithfulness. Thank you. So let me address the parents here today. 
Proverbs 22.6, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Parents, I must warn you that your children will not grow up to become the person you told them to be. They will grow up to become the person you trained them to be. So are you telling them one thing and training them for another? Or ask yourself, what are you training them for? Are you training them for the ball field, the classroom, the promotion, the next vacation or weekend getaway? Or are you training them to serve the church of God, the work of the Lord, the judgment seat of Christ? Because the odds are your kids will not go pro, graduate valedictorian, or work in a corner office. But I guarantee that one day they will stand before the Lord. And the foundation of what they have to offer is what you have trained them for. Ephesians 6.4, And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. The word bring implies that you are headed in the same direction. And let me assure you, whatever direction you are headed, you are bringing your kids with you. So I beg you, Bring your kids along as you serve the Lord, as you study his word, and as you minister to his church. The greatest legacy you can leave in this life is a child that follows God. I'm thankful for my parents who were faithful to bring me along. They raised me in an environment of gentle instruction and loving correction. They cautioned me of sin and exhorted me to righteousness. I am who I am today because I am a son of Carl and Lynn Warner. Fast forward to 2001. It was a Sunday night. I was a junior in high school. Our youth group met up in the front corner of the church. Our youth pastor at the time was Bob Vows, who was teaching a lesson titled A Man's Path to Salvation. That night I understood that I was a sinner, separated from a holy and loving God, I believed that his son, Jesus Christ, and his death on the cross was the only payment able to forgive my sins. And so after the service, I went and grabbed one of my youth counselors, Todd Gopp. We went back uh, to a storage room, and that is when I called upon the name of the Lord and surrendered my life to Christ. And so on August 26, 2001, almost exactly 20 years to the day, I knelt down, a sinner, on his way to hell, and stood a saved and redeemed and born again son of God. You may think that's a bit of a bold claim, but it is no small thing to be considered a son of God. Excuse me. Glad I grabbed those. (laughs) We don't have time to do the study today, but you have to understand that throughout the majority of the history of Scripture, there have only been three people given the title, the Son of God. There were the angelic beings, the heavenly host. There was Adam, the first man in God's crowning creation. 
And then, of course, Jesus Christ, God in human flesh. So keep that in mind as we read 1 John 3.1. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. I wish we could hear John quote this verse. Because he would have understood the distinct honor of being considered a son of God. And that's enough to make Moses jealous, the meekest man in all the land, because that cannot be said of Old Testament saints. That's enough to upset Abraham, the father of many nations, because he was only called the friend of God. But behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we, sinners, separated from God, that we who were once the enemies of God, that we should be called the sons of God. The immeasurable privilege it is for someone as undeserving as me to experience such adoration and admiration cannot be overstated. Because every good thing in my life has come from my heavenly Father. For in him we live and move and have our being because Christ is our life. And it is by God's grace that I will commit it all back to him. And with gladness return my very breath. I know that there are some of you here today outside of a relationship with God. You're separated from him because you have never applied the payment for your sins to your life. So let me talk to you for just a moment. I'm pleading with you today to make that same decision. The Bible tells us that the wages of sin is death. Jesus Christ loved you enough to step out of his glory in heaven, to put on the humility of a man. He lived a perfect life, experienced unimaginable pain, died a sinner's death, and was buried in a borrowed tomb so that his death could make the payment for your sins. Jesus didn't stay buried. No, he rose again on the third day because he has the power over sin and death. And it is through the power of his resurrection that he extends to you the gift of eternal life. He has done all the work. In fact, the Bible tells us that you can't earn this gift by works. It is by grace through faith alone. And so my prayer leading up to this day has been that you accept that free gift of salvation. And surrender your life to Christ, because making that decision has no doubt been the best decision of my life. I am who I am today because I am a son of God. And then that brings us to today. Today is undoubtedly one of the most special and significant days of my life. That I would be found faithful to be ordained into the gospel ministry by First Baptist Church. This place is a special place. It's not simply my place of employment or my local church or even where I've found and formed my favorite relationships, but it is indeed my family, full of brothers and sisters and spiritual fathers. To recount all the men and women that have made an impact on me throughout my lifetime at First Baptist would be impossible. And to adequately thank them would prove just as difficult, but allow me a moment to recognize a few. Starting with Miss Judy, my children's director. As a sixth grader, she gave me the first taste of serving in children's ministry, and I haven't been able to shake it since. 
then there are the men that I get to work with, namely Matt Brocker, Kale Horvath, Todd Gopp, Josh Irvin, Corey Vansickle, and some others that have come and gone over the years. It is my joy to co-labor with them, to learn from them, to grow alongside them as my brothers in ministry, and to call them my dearest friends. And then for my pastors over the years. There was Mark Trotter, who was my pastor from a child until shortly after I came on staff at First Baptist. He impacted me both directly and indirectly over my lifetime. Jeff Bartell, who taught me to both hold dear and hold fast the faithful words. Who exemplified unwavering faithfulness and leadership in both good and difficult times. And now Troy Stogsdill, who has already proven to be a commendable pastor, capable of leading us forward, and I for one am honored to follow him. Over the years, these men have set an example of faith for me to follow. They have watched for my soul. It has been my honor to call each of them my boss, my pastor, and my friend. I'm eternally grateful for the ministry you have entrusted to me. You have allowed me to try and to fail and to try again. You have molded my character. You have taught me scripture. You have steadied my walk. You have established me in the ministry. And you have strengthened my hands for this good work. Thank you. Now, let me exhort you, the church body, my beloved brethren, to forsake all worldly pursuits, to forfeit personal pleasure, Live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Look for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of the great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Will you do that? Will you join me in that work? Will you make that sacrifice? Because it will change you. It will shape you. It has done that to me, and I couldn't imagine who I would be if it were not for this church family. I am confident that I am who I am today because I am a son of First Baptist Church. Thank you. Galatians 2.9 said, And when James, Cephas, and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given unto me, they gave to me and Barnabas the right hands of fellowship, that we should go unto the heathen, and they unto the circumcision. And that right hand of fellowship is is much like what we would experience in our culture today, just through, through a handshake, an agreement in that sense. And, and, and you already saw some of that on the stage today after we laid our hands. We gave Craig and Katie a hug and, and, and shook hands. But I, I want to have a couple gifts um, to give to them as just a token of that right hand of fellowship. It's acceptance in the club. So Craig and Katie, if you guys could come back up. So, first of all, we have a Living Faith Bible Institute diploma, Associate Divinity, so congratulations on finishing that. Uh, we've got a Bible. It's a good one. It's from the Trinitarian Bible Society. It has over 220,000 cross-references. It's calfskin. The Presbytery has signed it. We're, we are thrilled to be able to present this Bible to you. Um, and then, then last for Craig, we have his certificate of ordination. 
It says, We the undersigned upon the recommendation and request of the First Baptist Church at New Philadelphia, Ohio, which had full and sufficient opportunity for judging the God-given gifts, and after satisfactory examination by us in regard to the Christian experience, call to the ministry, and views of Bible doctrine, hereby certify that Craig Allen Warner was solemnly and publicly set apart and ordained to the work of the gospel ministry by authority and order of the First Baptist Church at New Philadelphia, Ohio, on the 22nd day of August, 2021. I'm going to present that to you. Jennifer, if you could come up. Love you, too. We have some flowers that we want to present to Katie because uh, we all know Craig wouldn't be here. He said it, but he certainly wouldn't be here without her. So let's, let's properly welcome and honor uh, our, our newest ordained pastor here at First Baptist Church, Craig Warner. All right, you guys can be seated. You guys can be seated as well. We are going to finish out with one final worship song. I know we're running late, but it wouldn't be right. The, the Lord deserves our worship of him. So why don't you guys come on up. They're going to get set up. We're going to worship the Lord together. Uh, this has been a great day. And, and one that I want you guys to not soon forget. Um, again, this signifies a lot of things that, that, that God is doing in and amongst ourselves, and it signifies that, that if we remain faithful, that there are good days ahead. And we don't know how long we have. We don't know how long the Lord is going to tarry, but we're still here today. And if, if we're still here tomorrow, we need to get up with a mind to serve Him. We need to get up with a mind to give of ourselves to the work of the Lord. That's what we've shown you today, because that is what Craig has done. So let's worship the Lord together. He is certainly deserving of our praise.